Genesis chapter 4. Tonight I want to speak on simple title. This is a simple message tonight. Sin lieth at the door. Sin lieth at the door. Genesis 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for those who are here tonight. We ask you to bless them for being here. We ask you, Lord, that you would encourage those who are away today, who are unable to be here. And we think especially of the Peden family. Lord, as they're in their time of grief and mourning at the loss of a son. And we pray, Father, that you would be all that they need at this time. We pray for others, Lord, who are unwell and able to come tonight, that they would receive their portion of the blessing. And those, Lord, who just cannot make it for one reason or another, Lord, will you encourage them wherever they are and bring them back to us, Lord, refreshed. We think of Denise and Kenya, that you would encourage her, Lord, as the last few days of our mission trip runs in and bring her home safely. So, Father, to that end, we ask you now to shut us in. Even as it has been prayed, your word tells us where the two and three are gathered together. In your name, there you are in the midst of us, and we know you're here because you've promised. We know you're here because, Lord, we can sense you. So we ask it now, Father, to shut us in with thine own good self and to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. This great story from antiquity of Genesis chapter 4 tells of the first and second sons that were born from Eve. Verse 1 tells us, And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Verse 2 says, And she again bare his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain a tiller of the ground. These two boys are like chalk and cheese. You couldn't get any different if you tried. Cain's name means something. Most names in Scripture are prophetic. They mean something or other. And Cain's name means possession. It means acquisition or to acquire something. And how how apt is it for his name whenever we look at he was a tiller off the ground. 
One old writer says it means that he was a getter and a gainer all his days. That Cain was a getter and a gainer with an attitude of work appeases and pays all. Work appeases, pays all. That's very important for our narrative that we have read tonight. Cain thought the work of his hands would be all that he would need. Abel, his younger brother, he was a keeper of the sheep. He gives the impression to us that he liked the gentle, non-confrontational attitude of his four-footed companions as he was uh, looking after them. Abel means this, a number of things. Now note this. Abel means vanity, breath, vapor, mourning, and it also means a grassy plain. Abel's name means vanity, breath, mourning, vapor, a grassy plain. How prophetic is it of his name when in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 8 it says, And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Notice in the field, in the grassy plain is where he met his end. How prophetic was it? And I'm sure his mother didn't realize this would be the ending of it. The first recorded murder in the Bible from the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And a great mourning happened. Again, a prophetic utterance, even as his mother and father named him Abel. A mourning came in a grassy field. And of course, the murder brought forth that mourning. We have to beware, brothers and sisters. You have to beware, even if you're unsaved. You must beware that sin will always take you further than you ever meant to go. Sin will always take you farther than you ever meant to go. The wages of sin is death. And here, when there was the first recorded murder in the Word of God, it brought forth death. The sin of Adam was placed upon his sons, and that brought forth death. Sin will always take you further than you ever meant to go. Remember a man, he was a worship leader in a church. And some of you have heard me say this before. He went to another friend who was a Christian. He went into his garage and around the garage walls was homemade wines in their flagons. And as he was there, this man says, do you want to taste my homemade wine? And this man who led worship in his church said, I've never touched alcohol all of my life. I don't drink. And the man says, one won't hurt you. I drink it all the time. One will do you no harm. And after a bit of coercing, the man took one. That man became a chronic alcoholic. That man ended up falling down the stairs and breaking his neck in a drunken condition and dying. See, sin will always take us further than we meant to go. And of course, James 1 and verse 15 says, Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. That's why we'll all die, should Jesus tarry. Sin, when it is finished, the sin that lives and reigns in our mortal members, as Paul calls it, the sin that rules and reigns in your flesh and in your body, that sin will eventually bring us to the grave, will eventually bring us to the ground, and men will cover in the hole. And that is where we will stay as our body until Christ uh, returns again. Notice this. Abel, mourning, 
a grassy plain. The world that Cain lived in. Now take note, the world that Cain lived in was the world that Cain sinned in. I note it down. The world that Cain lived in was the world that Cain sinned in. Cain was the man who was the man of the field. The field is the world. The Lord Jesus in the parable, speaking of the world, he says, the, the sower goes forth to sow seed. And we know of the four parcels of ground that the Lord mentions where the seed falls. And then when he's in telling the, the, the interpretation of the parable, he says, the field is the world. Now notice this. The world where Cain lived in is the world where Cain sinned in. Abel goes into this grassy field with him. And in fact, some commentators tell us that the Hebrew actually reads that there's some manuscripts that Cain actually said to Abel, let us go out into the field. And in some of the manuscripts, it actually says, let us go out into the field. And so Abel, trusting his brother, goes out into the field, like that man in the garage with the homemade wine. Like many other people who say, we'll go once, we'll go to the world, and we'll live like the world, and we do as the world do, just to become like the world, that we may win them. No, friend, the world will bring you away from Christ. The world will bring you down. And the unsaved, the unsaved will lord over you. Here, Cain, the field that he lived in was the field that he sinned in. And because Abel went with him, he went into Cain's field and it became his grave. It became his grave. The man and the woman who love the Lord Jesus Christ will not want to go into the world because that will become your grave. Spiritually speaking, that will be the grave where men and women will die in because the world will always drag you down, drag you away from Christ. Abel means mourning, grassy plain. It also means vanity, breath, or vapor. Vanity, breath, or vapor. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, James tells us, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For what is your life? It is even as a vapor, or like a smoke, that appears for a little time, then vanisheth away. And you just watch your kettle boil the next time you put the kettle on. And you see the vapor come out of it. As soon as it reaches maybe a foot or so high, it vanishes away. And so quickly is the life of a man and a woman. Some manuscripts, as I said, said, come out into the field, Cain said to Abel. And this shows a predetermined and a doubly deliberate, premeditated offering of Cain. Come with me and I'll look after you. Come with me. I want to talk. Come with me, Abel, and don't worry about all the things that are prophesied over our lives. Don't worry about the things that are belonging to Adam and Eve, and don't worry about the things that have happened and gone on before. I would love to have a word with you. Now, they knew the Lord at this point. They had been before God at this point, and they had brought offerings unto the Lord at this point. So they were not ignorant of the things of God at this point. Because we know that Cain brought his offering and it was rejected and Abel's was accepted. 
the heart of Cain was wicked. And in Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Notice what the Lord says through Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful above all things. In other words, you can deceive yourself. You can deceive yourself. Your own heart and my own heart can deceive ourselves. We can make things fit. And we're going to look at this in a moment. We can turn it into something we want to turn it into. And we can believe what we want to believe, even if it goes against the word of God. The heart is deceitful. The disciples are with the Lord in the upper room and they're around, sitting around him and he's breaking bread. And as he's breaking bread, he says, one of you is a devil. One of you will deceive, will betray me tonight. And all the, 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 these men of God, they all look at one another and they say, Lord, is it I? Is it I not knowing their own heart? Is it I? We must be aware because our hearts are very deceitful and they're desperately wicked, but the Lord knows the heart. The word deceitful is the word akob, and it means the word or the heart can be fraudulent. Our own hearts can be crooked. It becomes polluted. And listen, it gives the idea to swell up. Our hearts can be swelled up and deceive ourselves. The self-righteous heart swells up and deceives the person, the man and the woman, deceives themselves into a false sense of security. How many people have you heard that are religious that say, I don't need to be saved. I'm a good man. I don't need to be saved. I'm a good woman. I don't need to be saved. I'm a good person. How many of us say, well, I go to the Elam church on a Sunday. It won't save you. How many say, well, I belong to this sect or church or denomination, and whenever we get there, we realize they're not saved at all. They know not Christ. They have never come by the blood of the Lamb. And here their heart is swollen up because they are deceived by their own heart. They're deceived by their own ways, their own sin, and their own doings because they always look and perceive themselves, measure it up to the world. I'm not as bad as him. I'm not as bad as her. Well, I'm not as bad as an ISIS character, one of these terrorists who cut off people's heads, so surely they should go to hell and I should go to heaven. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the Bible says. That's you, that's me, all of us, from Adam, Eve, Cain, Abel. In our nature, we are sinners. And sinning does not make us sinners. We sin because we are sinners and we cannot help our nature. And so it's fraudulent and it's crooked, becomes polluted and swollen up. And we think in our unsaved state that we do not need Christ. Listen, folks, tomorrow, this place will be packed with people, packed probably out into the car park with people who are coming to say their farewells to a young man of 33 years of age who went in the morning and put on his boots and went to work and never made it home again. Full of health, full of strength. Eve was deceived by the serpent in the garden. Half God said. Is that really what the Bible says? 
Is that really what the Bible means? Half God said, and then our own now fallen condition of our own deceived heart. She's deceived again. How is she deceived again? Look at our reading. In chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I have gotten a man from the Lord, she says. She's deceived. She's deceived. And why is she deceived? Because what she is actually saying, not I have had a baby, I've had a son born of me, and God has blessed me. That's not what Eve is saying here. The actual true Hebrew rendering reads like this. I have gotten a man, the Lord, the God-man. Eve was saying, I believe this is the promised seed of Jehovah or Yahweh. I believe this is the promised seed that God had promised. And where was he promised? This is the Messiah to come in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Whenever Adam and Eve had sinned in the garden and the Lord came to the garden, to them in the garden, listen to what he says. He said to Eve, I will put enmity between thee and the woman. He says to the devil, rather, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Speaking of Christ, the Messiah, speaking of Christ who would come, the Savior. And now already, here's Eve having a child. She says, this is he whom the Lord hath spoken of. This is he whom God says would come. Now we're going to be back in our home. We're going to be in paradise restored for we're being put out of the garden. We're going to be back in our homeland. We're going to be back there in the fellowship and, and reconciled to God. This is the God, man, the Messiah. How wrong was this woman? She's deceived. It was, her heart was polluted and crooked with her fallen humanity and her fallen nature. Eve was making Scripture fit herself. Eve was making Scripture fit herself. Eve was making the word of the Lord suit her circumstance. And Eve says, I have gotten a man from the Lord. I have gotten the Messiah. How mournful and disappointed Eve must have been to find that she had hoped and to restore that paradise and it was all useless and it had fallen and failed. Cain had now killed Abel. Cain was not the promised seed of the Lord. Friend, you'll find that your heart will deceive you. And if you put your hopes and your plans and your soul's salvation in anyone or anything else other than the Lord Jesus Christ, other than his finished work at Calvary's tree, other than his precious shed blood, other than his death and his burial and his resurrection again. You place your hopes on anything else. We can try, as it were, to make the word of God fit our circumstance and fit who we are and fit our easy learning and fit our tickling, itching ears that we can do all these things, but truth will prevail and still stand, and we find that we become bitterly disappointed, and we will be lost.
You will be lost if you do not receive Christ and reject the word of God. Listen, this is a short message this this evening. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 14, it says, No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. What an angel of light had come to Eve when she had this baby Cain. What an angel of light had come to her. Oh, this is fantastic. Here is Messiah. Now our hopes are all fulfilled. Everything's going to be great. There's not going to be a long road ahead of us. I have gotten a man from the Lord. You know, Satan can come and make things look good. Satan can come and make things look proper. Even give us a little bit of the word without the real truth behind it sugar-coated poison, something sweet like a candy floss a sermon to make us feel good and to make us you know, go home with our tires blown up, as we would say. But the Word of God is real and the Word of God is truth. In Genesis 4, we see what had happened then that Cain would kill Abel. Genesis 4 and verse 3 says, In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit off the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Cain put sweat and tears into that ground. You see, when Adam fell in the garden, he says, you'll eat your bread in the sweat of your brow. In other words, you're going to be labor. Labor is a result of the fall. Tiredness and hardship and labor is a result of the fall. And he says to Adam, you will do this. And now Cain comes along and he's finding it. He's laboring away in the field. He's a getter, he's a gainer. And as he takes from the field, we're told that he brings it to the Lord for an offering. So he's come before God and he knows the reality that there is a God in heaven. He knows the reality of it and he brings the work of his hands. His hands are muddied and his hands are maybe strong with the work and the labor and swollen, maybe cut. His hands are maybe bruised and tired and, and gnarled even. I don't know, but he brings it before God and he sets it and he says, Lord, here is an offering for my soul. Here is an offering for my sin. Here is an offering, the work of my hands. See how hard I have labored and see how hard I have tried and see how much, he says, I have went into the field and waited upon this. This stuff is precious to me. So I'm giving it to you, God. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought forth the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. But notice Abel. He also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. God wouldn't accept the offering of Cain. He wouldn't accept the labor and the work of his hands. He wouldn't accept the time that he put into it and the effort. He wouldn't accept that God turned it away. I don't respect this, he said, because God has said it would take a lamb. In other words, God's saying, come my way or don't come at all. Come my way or don't come to me. If you don't come my way, he says, don't come at all, Cain. 
And so Abel comes, how? He brings a little lamb, and as barbaric as it is, he lays it down and slits its throat and pours out the blood. And God had respect to the blood of the lamb. We can only come God's way. We can only come God's way. Israel gone out of Egypt, put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the door lintels of their house. The Lord says, I will pass over this night, passing through in death, but over. He says, when I see the blood. He didn't say, when I see who you are and how hard you've worked and the labor of your hands. He didn't say, when I see how much of a hardship and the slavery you've been under. He didn't say that. He says, when I see the blood, he says, I will pass over you. Cain comes with the work of his hands. Adam and Eve tried to cover themselves in the garden when they fell with fig leaves of aprons they made and put around them and because they were naked and they realized that their garment of light and their innocency had gone. And now God says, well, who told you you were naked? The age of purity and innocence had fallen off them. They tried to cover themselves with aprons and they couldn't. It's not sufficient the work of our hands, what we make with our fingers. It's not sufficient what we have made with our own efforts to bring to God. It's not sufficient. It's insufficient. We can never ever make for what Christ has done. We'd never ever make it up to Jesus. And here, Abel comes away, God says. God goes and kills a an animal and brings the skins to clothe Adam and Eve in their, in their nakedness. And now the lamb is brought. Blood must be shed. And as, as, as horrific as that is, and we think of all the animals that have been shed in the, in the Old Testament and the blood right through to the death of Christ. And even in other religions they're doing it, but it, as in Israelite history and now in, in the Christian gospels, looking to the blood of Jesus. It seems like it's a bloody gospel and it is a bloody gospel. It is a bloody religion because it's covered in blood. It's cleansed in blood and it's stained with blood. Yes, the blood avails tonight. It is. But that's what it takes, the blood of the lamb. And as as horrible as it is, and as terrible and as cruel as it seems, it reminds us of the awfulness of sin before God. It reminds us of the awfulness of our sin before the Father. It reminds us God sees us in our filth and awfulness. God has respect on the Abel's offering, but not respect on the Cain's. And we're told that Cain, but unto Cain in verse 5, but unto Cain unto his offering, he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth. And his countenance fell. Hmm. Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Listen, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. That is than Cain's sacrifice. He did it by faith. And it's only by faith in the blood that we can come, as God says, and no other way. That's why Jesus says in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's why Jesus is the solely and exclusively the only way to God. He is the, the, the divinity clothed in humanity. He is deity in flesh. And he says none can come to the Father but by him. He is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And by faith, Cain offered a more excellent sacrifice. Or pardon me, Abel than Cain. And Cain's countenance fell. Now notice this. Cain's countenance fell. He fell down with a sense of shame, guilt, disappointment, grief, and envy. See, the word Adam, Adam, it means red or red earth. It means to be ruddy. Or Strong's Concordance will tell you that it means as, as it means one who shows blood in the face. Strange, is it not? Think of the sweat and the labor that comes and the redness of the face. Think of when we're embarrassed or we're ashamed and the redness that comes to the face. Think of when we're, we're warm and we're heated and the redness comes to our face. When we're ashamed, that redness comes to the face. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28 says this. Abide in him, that is in Christ, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. It's going to be people, Christians. It's going to be people who are in a fallen condition away from Christ. It's going to be people who have been living a lie. There's going to be Christians who haven't been living right for God. There's going to be professing Christians who haven't been going on with him when he returns. They're going to be ashamed that is coming. We will all stand before the judgment seat, not the great white throne judgment seat now, the beam of seat of Christ to give an account unto Christ of the deeds done in our body as Christians. And there's going to come a time when some of us will be ashamed. The word ashamed is a word here, ahi skunomahi. Please don't ask me to repeat that. And it means disgraced. And we will look disfigured. I don't know what way our face will be see him I don't know what way our face will be when we look upon him and he is in his radiance and in his glory and he is in his beauty his righteousness and his holiness and there he looks at us as we stand before him some will be ashamed have wandered far away from God I've wandered away from him and now he's coming and he's coming. I'm in my my lethargy and I'm in my emptiness of heart. I've let sin creep into my life, Lord. And and his beauty and his holiness, he'll look at us, oh, you may be saved. You may be saved. There'll be those who will be unsaved and he's coming too. And they will stand at the great white throne judgment.
without another hope, without another help. Cain's face fell. The idea is he was disfigured with shame. And his shame turned to rage. You know, sometimes to cover up an embarrassment, maybe a, 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 a child, maybe they get embarrassed about something and then they get angry, you know, and they shout. That's, a, that's one of the inherent things in us and from the fall. We get embarrassed and we get all flustered and then, ah, we get angry. Cain comes and he says, I have labored. Look at my hands. I've worked sore and tired, long and hard. God, look at my hands, what I bring you. And you think this isn't enough? And he brings a lamb. And you receive him and not me. Brothers and sisters, that's the way God has it. Either we come by Christ, the Lamb of God, or we don't come at all. Either we enter the presence of the Lord through Christ, the Lamb, the risen Lamb, or we do not come at all. In the temple, in the wilderness, or the tabernacle, and then the temple, in that holy place there was the ark, and there were the cherubims, and there comes down the glory, and the lid of the ark is the mercy seat. And on that mercy seat, it's called the propitiation, the, the uh, aversion of God's uh, wrath upon the, the sinner because the blood was shed. And if there was no blood, the high priest in Israel would have died. And the glory of God comes down into the middle of it and sees the blood and spares the man, the sinner. glory of God comes in Christ when he breaks the skies when the heavens roll back like a scroll the glory of the Lord shines like lightning from the east to the west and every eye shall see him the only thing that will stop us being consumed the blood the blood of Jesus the blood of the Lamb listen to what the Lord says as we close this in verse 7 let's read verse 6 and the Lord said unto Cain why art thou wroth why are you angry Cain Come on, give me your excuse. I'm glad I'm not going to be at that great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20, you can go read it when you go home. And, if, and because you're a child of God, you won't be there either. But I'm glad that I won't be at that great white throne judgment because there are going to be many who are going to plead. They're going to plead. 
the works of their hands and the labors of their churchianity. And they're going to plead their good works and they're going to plead everything and anything else. And, and how wonderful and how gracious and kind and good and homely a person they were. And yet they're standing in the line of the unsaved. And God will say, why are you wrath? Well, you see, I shouldn't be here because I went to church. I shouldn't be here. I was confirmed by the bishop. I shouldn't be here because I used to go to the Methodist or the Presbyterian or the Church of Ireland or, or the Elam or, or wherever else. And I used to go to it all the time. I went to the mission halls and, and I went to the Sunday school out in the Brethren Hall, the gospel halls there. I went to all of these. I was in the BP. And? And? Why are you angry? Well, I shouldn't be here. He didn't come by my son. He didn't come by the blood. He didn't come the way I ordained. And the path that has been led, the only way to me, my son died for you. My son gave his life for you. And you rejected him. My son hung and bled and died in shame, suffering and in agony. And she rejected the Lamb of God. Why art thy wrath? Why art thy wrath, he says, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt thou not be accepted. Now notice, he doesn't mean do well by the work of your hands. He says, if you do well means do what is necessary. Bring alarm. Come by the blood. And if thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted. Notice, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. Now here's what the Lord says, Cain, you come to me with this offering. Now listen, many of us have come to the Lord with an offering thinking it's because of what we have done, who we are, what we can maybe become. And he says, no, go away before it's too late and come back again. Throughout our lives, maybe many of us have done that and have not come to God by the cross of Calvary. He says, Cain, go away and come as I have ordained. But he didn't. Do you know how we know he didn't? Twice he's mentioned the end of your Bible. In the book of Jude, verse 11, and, and in 1 John, he's also mentioned chapter 3, talking about the way of Cain and his greed, talking about the works of his hands and who he is and people who were wicked like him. The seed of Cain, he says, he says, you go away and you come with the lamb and you will be accepted. Before it's too late, Cain, go away and come back again and you'll be accepted. We're told his countenance had fallen, it's disfigured. And the word accepted means if you come by the lamb, he says, you'll realize my glory in you. It will lift up your countenance. It will lift up your countenance, it means. It means your head will be lifted up, not in pride, but lifted up the glory. Lifted up in acceptance by me. 
He says, when if thou doest not well, sin laugh at the door. By this thought, I'm closing. This gives a picture. And you can read many of the, um, many commentators or Hebrew scholars on this. And they give a couple of pictures here. The first picture, it means, as if the Lord is saying to Cain, if thou doest not well, sin laugh at the door, or sin will lie like a wild beast at your door to rule over you. Sin will lie like a wild beast to ruin you, to deprave you, to enslave you. Sin will lie at your door to devour you. That's the thought of this. But then there's another rendering of it. It means a sin offering was available to you. The Lord is saying a sin offering, like Abel came by the blood of the Lamb, a sin offering was available to you. And you decided not to come with a Lamb. So your sin lies at your door. It will defar you. And sin will bring forth your death. That's the idea of it. You see, there's a man and a woman will stand before Christ on that day. And they will be wroth. And God will say, why art thou wroth? But, but I did this, he'll say. There was a lamb. Friend, there's a lamb. There's a lamb. That's available for the salvation of the soul and the forgiveness of sin. There's a lamb supplied by the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we go to eternity without the lamb, we'll stand in damnation eternity, not heaven's eternity. Sin laugh at the door. Cain chose to be deceived and enslaved. He killed Abel. His life was like a vapor. His life was like a wind that passed. But there's a lamb. And Abel will say on that day, thank God for the lamb. Thank God I came with a lamb. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Brothers and sisters, how am I entering in the kingdom of God? I can only go by saying, thank God for the Lamb. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. For the blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless his word to us tonight. The Lord bless you all.